Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. This is Weekend Gardening because we talk about plants. We talk about green things. I Yes, I do practice forensic horticulture. You can tell me it died, and I'll try and help you figure out why. These are all things that are part of the world of weekend gardening and i'm garden mama thank you very very much for tuning in whether you're tuning in today live and i hope you are but you might also be listening to the rebroadcast or to a podcast or perhaps on demand from supertalk.fm however it is thank you very much and welcome in let's have some fun today what do you say triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven is the phone number that of course the supertalk call line the C Spire text line is 601-879-4395. And y'all are always kind enough to light that up with some things that often I can repeat on the air. And, you know, sometimes I have to sort of just giggle about privately. But either way, I appreciate it and enjoy very, very much what's going on. Lance is here today. Will is here today. They're making sure that uh, this whole business keeps on the air and that I am don't, you know, I don't know, curse or any of those other things that we're un- that are unacceptable in the radio world. Garden Mama does not do that, by the way. And Garden Mama is nothing at all like the Queen of England, except that we neither of us curses in public. I'm confident that she occasionally let out the occasional stream when no one was listening. But that's her business. Bless her heart. And obviously, um, I, I'm not I, I'm not British. I'm not English. I'm not uh, um, I, I don't I don't have those allegiances. But. I've, I always appreciated that she was able at whatever point along the way to say, yes, uh, that that breaking away from us was kind of rough, but our friendship came back around pretty soon. That's a paraphrase. It's not her quote. She, of course, would be much more eloquent. It, it is a shame when you think of all the people that couldn't talk to their relatives for a long time. So it wasn't me, but there, that did happen to people. The good news is not for too long. We have been the, the the conversations prior to the broadcast do not usually make it here, except that today we're talking about food. I have been sort of obsessed with, as you all know, the the wonderful moniker that was given to me here after I did seventeen different stories over time about the influence of our gut microbiome on the rest of our beings and bodies and thoughts and practices and who we are and how we do what we do. And thankfully, they've continued many of the research organizations to study those things. But it does mean that we know that gardening takes guts. And we want your guts to be in great shape. So make sure you're doing the gardening. And also make sure that you're paying attention to these things. Now that we want to know these things, do we really want to know why we like fatty food? We like fatty food because it tastes good. Hello. But why does it taste good? Well, those cravings, that that desire that, that I have... For the fried Friday, don't eat the fried food the rest of the week, eat, eat it one day a week, Those all those different things that we do, really does go directly to your gut-brain connection. And the reason for this is because your gut is tied to your brain more tightly than just about any, well, than anything else in your body, actually. I, I don't know if, uh, 
I, I don't know if, if we can look any farther than that. We just need to know these things. And as a result, what you put in does affect how you feel later and what you're up to and what you want later. Um, I have to say, I'm, I'm still not opposed to a fried chicken sandwich. I, I, it never, I never thought I would want that. Never occurred to me that you would put fried chicken but even on a waffle, okay? But all right, I'm, I'm going to say it's a high fat that's pretty good, pretty good. Roberts from Oak Grove on the text line this morning. Let's see, what would be the best shrub to plant in shade that would give privacy? Well, there are a lot of evergreen shrubs that will get quite large in the shade. It kind of depends on how much space you have to give to them. In other words, if if you have limitless space, plant Eliagnus. Go and buy some that are about five or eight years old. They'll already be seven feet tall, and you can that'll make an instant shade for you. Um, if you're trying to go for higher shade than that, though, or if you're just trying to shade the area directly, like, say, a four-foot-tall um, space, there are any number of evergreens that you can do there. You can do clayeras, you can do photinias, you can do some ligustrums, and they're not all necessarily just green. They do have some other colors in foliage that, that will be attractive to you. But I need to know a little bit more about what you want in that situation so that I can give you some better advice. But the, the thickest, densest is going to be Eliagnus. No question. But you got to have space for it because it's going to be 10 feet wide. <laughs> I mean, it's a gigantic plant, ultimately. I was out thinking about digging up some things. You know, I've, I've gotten myself involved in this garden tour um, coming through Fondren, my neighborhood, in, in October. And um, you, know, you get up and you think, I hope they call this off. Or I hope it rains that whole weekend and they can't do it because I, my yard doesn't look that good. <laughs> Well, I'm now in the throes of working on all of that, I'm happy to say. And it, it it's going to be all right. It's not going to be – gardens are never like you want them to be. Gardeners oftentimes are just as guilty as can be of saying, you, you need to be here next week. Or I wish you were here last month. Whatever you, whatever you think is beautiful, they've always got that. Kind of like when you say to someone, what a beautiful dress, and they go, oh, this whole thing. Well, that's that's not accepting the compliment. <laughs> so you sort of have to accept the compliment sometimes, too. <laughs> All right, good question from the 601. Then, oh, thank you very much for your kind words about the show. I appreciate that. And I'm t- hoping the rain will move out soon. Mm, not for a day or two, I don't think. But can you move um, daffodils now? Or later, well, if you if you if you know where they are, if they're showing any foliage, I don't have any problem with moving them now. I might wait until after the rain finishes so that you're not digging into really wet soil at the moment. But if you need to move them, it would be better to move and dig and divide them at this point than later on. I think um, it it sort of does have a it does have, sort of have the question, you know, about whether or not you want to do that. And if they are not blooming as well as they used to, or if you have the opportunity to move them from somewhere that they are to your place because someone gave them to you, I think that just a nice day here at this period of time where we're transitioning towards fall would be fine for that. Okay, let's see. Robert's um, back with me from Oak Grove. He's got a five-foot-wide row of pine trees separating him and the neighbors. He needs to put something under the trees. Okay, Um well, then Eliagnus is going to work. You'll just have to prune it every now and then. But look at Pittosporum and look at, because it does real well in the shade, and look at Clayera. 
both of those things are going to be at the the Lawn and Garden Center, the the co-op, possibly even the big box stores. But but I want you to go for evergreens, and I want you to go for some evergreens that are nice and shiny and different looking from the pine trees. And I think you'll I think you'll have good success with both Clara and um, Ely Agnes is good. Clara is good too. But why not go in there and get a little color in? Maybe some nandinas. You know, if it's a long enough row, you can put two or three different sorts of shrubs there, and they will give you the fri- the, the sort of privacy that you're talking about. Sounds like it's mostly a, a, a sound barrier as much as anything else. Yes, yes, you can plant spinach again right now. This this is the month for it. And I did see some spinach plants somewhere that I went this week, but I can't remember where I was. So look for them, though. Um, I'm pretty sure that they're in the racks at anybody that's got vegetables at this point will have spinach. They, you may begin to see strawberries. And if you do, I suggest that you get them, even though we don't want to plant them until October in Zone 8 or Zone 9, for that matter, either one, because it, that's when we the best time after the heat is gone and we have the opportunity to grow them over the winter is really the best point for us. So if you can do that, if you see the strawberry plants, go ahead and get them and cultivate them and enjoy them, but don't plant them quite yet uh, unless we have a remarkable turn of temperature, which I don't expect that we're going to do. Oh, yeah. (sighs) Points at a time. Sometimes when we're too successful, you know, people call and they say, I planted these trees 20 years ago, and now I can't grow the lawn underneath them. Well, that's because the trees grew. You were successful. And I realize that it can be stressful not to have the lawn, and you have to do ground covers, and you have to do mulches and all this sort of thing. But you got all that beautiful, beautiful shade. So I, I think that Robert will be happy with his project when he gets the, the shade to add on to that. I think it'll help a bunch. I was looking yesterday... Um, I'm about to have a roof put on my house, and that means I have to move all my plants that are in containers up against the house somewhere else. So I made the decision to go ahead and bring most of them inside because that's going to happen in the next few weeks anyway. Well, I have created a monster and a mess, and I still have to move more plants. So I don't. What do you do when everything grows? All right. I didn't intend to have five begonias that are exactly the same. It just turned out that way. No, I'm not having a plant sale. I'm not announcing that. I'm just saying, if you're in that position, I, I sympathize with you. Perhaps we should have a fall plant swap. We always think about the spring plant swaps because we're everybody's enthusiastic and getting going. But as we're moving plants indoors, undoubtedly, I'm not the only person that has eight queen's tears that i don't really need i have one that's lovely i don't need the other eight but because i'm a propagator i end up having all of these plants all over the place and i'm like you i don't like to get rid of anything so to start that next plant or something dies and so you take a cutting off something else and just stick it in the pot to see if it'll root well of course it does and then you end up with all these plants okay robert likes those ideas good good that's wonderful I have been deeply involved with Clara Curtis chrysanthemums for a very, very long time. And you probably are, too. If you have any mums that are perennial in your garden in the Deep South, you may 
purchase them as Clara Curtis. You may purchase them as Country Girl. You may purchase them as Ryan's Pink. You may purchase them um, as Chrysanthemum ex rubellum, which is their botanical name. But it's the plant that literally grows quietly, covers ground, suppresses weed, does a real good job, smells good when it's wet because it's a chrysanthemum, and then in the summertime shoots up flower stems, which we really do appreciate. And if you don't want them to do that and want them to bloom lower, of course, you have to pinch them, but you don't do that after July the 1st or July 4th anyway. But Clara Curtis has decided to take over the front part of my flower bed in just tremendous fashion. I I dug up a bunch and gave it away, and the rest of it just took off this year and spread into that space. So it's now choked out the irises, and it's pretty much taking up all the space underneath the limelight where they didn't used to be. That's another one that I've been a little too successful with, but the good news is you don't have to do anything to Clara Curtis except plant it. It's one of those things, it's a nice sunny plant, loves to have plenty of sunlight. It can take all the rain that's there. I've never seen it rot from too much water, which is usually what happens with mums. If you plant garden mums, for example, we love them. They're beautiful. But I like them in pots because they're going to, if they get so wet in the ground, they just can't make it. These things are from Japan. They're not from the place where the heavy soil is heavy and everything's wet all the time. They're just not from here. The other ones, of course, are the ones that you get as a gift in a 6-inch or 10-inch container, and they're all in beautiful full bloom, and, you know, they're just beautiful flowers. But you're, um, you have to remember that those are also not hardy mums in the ground. They may live for a couple of years, but they're not going to become perennial in the way that Clara Curtis does. I, I think that that's the lesson in that particular plant is the classic right plant, right place. And uh, I think we all knew that, but when it became something to say and something to write about, it really did bring people to understand that, as Bob Bruzak says, landscape architecture professor says, your property is, wherever you're looking, big space, little space, there, it's one of four things. It's sunny and wet, or it's sunny and dry, or it's shady and wet, or it's shady and dry. And once you figure that out, you know where, what to plant where. And that leads you directly to right plant, right place. So that's kind of fun. Oh, Janice in New Albany. I sure hope this will work. <laughs> what about planting rhubarb now in northern Mississippi? That, that This would be the time to plant it if, if you're going to plant it. I hope it will make it. I've had I've had different different reports. Let's put it that way. Have, I've heard from people across time. It grows. It does fine. But, it's again, it's not a long-lived perennial the way it might be in some place that doesn't have the stresses of our climate. And at the same time, other people have said, planted it six times and it died. So I would say now, indeed, now is the best time to, to do that, and I hope it will work for you. Okay? Thank you very, very much. That's really nice, though. I, rhubarb is not something that I cook with very much. But I got to tell you that a, a rhubarb strawberry pie is a really, really good thing. The rest of what I know about rhubarb, you can assign to Garrison Keeler, you know, and bebop or rebop rhubarb pie and all that stuff. I'm, I, I don't, I, I, I've never, I've grown it once, but it wasn't here. And I had a friend grow it here with moderate success. So I'm not good on that one. 
I do look forward to hearing how it goes, though. Maybe we can start something new in the New Albany area. Had a good question about lemon trees. That's another thing. I have to move my lemon tree because it's in the courtyard, and I don't usually bring it inside until almost the last moment before the cold weather because it takes up a lot of space. It's the only plant that I have that has a has rollers has casters on its saucer, you know, because it has, it's too heavy to move. Um, but I have to bring it in, and therefore I have to go ahead and prune off the damage from the summer because there's always some summer stuff that gets you know not as perfect as it should be. Which, by the way, if you're grooming your plants, I hope that you will groom everything right now that you're going to bring in next month, within the next month, because this is the point where you can look at it and you can say, well, there's too many roly-polies in here and and move them out and put them out in the yard and not have to take them in the house with you. Or you can say, well, this one's doing much better. I need to propagate it because it's going to knock the pot over or break it because it's got it's done so well this summer. So all those things are good. Um, this The question this week about lemon tree, though, was about the blue that keep falling off and this was this was sent to me in july it's not that common for a lemon tree to be blooming right at that moment anyway but there are three things that it takes for lemon trees to make fruit they 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 can get off cycle and they can turn around and come right back to it the next year so be aware you got to have lots of leaves so that's why I'm, i'm i'm another reason i'm pruning it is to make sure that i get plenty of good leaves growing back through the fall and winter but you've also got to have the flowers, so that means a fertilizer that will bring them on. Y'all know that I like a citrus fertilizer made by Espoma, widely available. But you've also got to have pollinators, so she's locked up in the house. We're going to have to move her outside at some point, right? Yep, that's right. Unless you're going to be the bee, and I don't think that's going to quite work on citrus the way it can on strawberries or squash. Hmm. Well, get in the Wayback Machine with me now. It's about 1971, and this is It's a Beautiful Day. Stick around. Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. This is Jake Mangum, player for the New York Mets organization and former Mississippi State Bulldog. When you got everything on the line, you need a team behind you that's dedicated to getting the job done. That's why I love Farm Bureau. Their great rates are supported by a wonderful customer service team that stands by me through thick and thin. It's time to join Farm Bureau. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance. Or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. ESISupply.net. It's not if you're going to have a spill at your business or workplace, it's when. ESISupply.net. Exorbent pads by the bundle or roll. ESISupply.net. Socknet boom products, oil gator, oil dry, spill kits, and much more. ESISupply.net. 
Take it from Scary Gary. If it can spill, it's gonna. ESI Supply, 601-933-4910. That's 601-933-4910 or online at ESISupply.net. What you don't know about your home can cost you. Access to in-depth data is gold when buying or selling your home. With Onerly.com, you get the information the pros use. Real estate investors and agents would rather keep this to themselves. Unlike other real estate websites, Onerly.com delivers much more detailed information about a property. Knowledge is power. Need a home valuation? Get up to three with Onerly.com. Go for the gold. Visit Onerly.com. That's O-W-N-E-R-L-Y.com. Onerly.com. Paid for by Onerly. Do you suffer from allergies, sinus or respiratory problems, or just want to improve the quality of air you breathe in your home or business? Pure Air Consultants can help. As your indoor environmental specialist, we clean air ducts, install UV lights, and service all makes and models of heating and cooling systems. We offer the most dependable Energy Star quality qualified systems in the industry. Call Pure Air Consultants today, 601-939-7420. A proud provider of Dream Home AC Systems. <laughs> Are you feeling it? Dream, <sighs> the new degree of comfort. At Fillmore Buick GMC, we strive to make buying your next vehicle easy and take care of you long after you drive off the lot. That means upfront and honest pricing, doing everything we can to make the time you spend in the dealership as short or as long as you need. It means we understand that purchasing a vehicle is more than just a transaction for you. We want you to enjoy the experience as much as we appreciate your business. Find your next Buick GMC or pre-owned vehicle at FillmoreBuickGMC.com. Fillmore Buick GMC. You drive everything we do. Garden Mama here. Lakeland Yard and Garden Center has what you're looking for in its full-service nursery and garden center, greenhouse, and garden shop. Meet the professional staff at Lakeland, always ready to help you with trees and shrubs and patio furnishings, tables and cushions for entertaining, as well as pumpkins and pansies, plus soils, mulches, and amendments for your landscape and container plants. Lakeland has seeds and plants for your fall vegetable garden, too. Listen to your mama now. We're growing your way at Lakeland Yard and Garden Center, Lakeland Drive and Airport Road. Hostile takeover or gracious buyout? Dr. Michael Ziegler opens our 90th season of broadcasting with a message about living under new ownership. This week on The Lutheran Hour. Each Sunday morning at 7 on Supertalk 97.3. The best made-to-order lunch is right around the corner at 4th and Gold Sports Cafe. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769-208-8283. That's 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283. is such a funny idea as if we were going to have any permission to grant for it to rain. Now, there are people, of course, who have to sing and dance to try to make it rain, but not where we are. And uh, the good news is that we are banking it at this point. We're going to be able to, because at this, we're not getting, but when, when, for instance, out west, it's already real dry and they get six inches of rain in a day, it mostly just washes off and carries off sides of mountains with it. Here, 
even if it was that much, it generally speaking isn't going to give us the trouble that it would there. It will. It may cause a flood, which is a terrible problem, but at the same time, most of it's going to go in the ground in many, many, many places. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to answer David's question. I'm going to answer Joe's question first. Joe, I love how Joe hollers at me. It's fun. Do you know that when you type in text in capital letters, you're yelling at someone? I, I, I do like that. I like to be called out sometimes. Um, anyway, what what do I put in the water to get the bugs out? I don't want to hurt the frogs and the lizards, just the bugs. The really good question, Joe, and it is important to do, particularly because we can have things in our containers that we didn't know we had. So a drench of that soil with either a pyrethrin mixed in water or an insecticidal soap mixed in water either one of those things will take care of the ants and the other things that you don't want to bring in the house so that's a good idea and please do (laughs) i think that's very smart very very smart oh by the way in addition to seeing um somebody sent this question to me this week and i really hadn't thought i didn't realize i hadn't expressed myself about it yes you can plant romaine lettuce and head lettuces before you plant the leaf lettuces because of their ability to take a little bit more heat. Not a lot, but a little bit more of the hot weather. And they are a little bit more resilient than the leaf lettuces will be that we're plant that we'll be planting here in just a couple of weeks. Okay, so I thought that was a good idea. The James Webb telescope is at it again. This is our first ever direct image of an exoplanet. This is a, a gaseous one. That means that there's no um no rocky surface, no 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 place for there to be habitation as we consider it like life on Earth. But sure is beautiful. It's an infrared gaze, and it, it is absolutely magnificent. It is indeed what they call a transformative moment. We kind of toss that word around sometimes, but in this particular case, it is because it does change completely the way that we look at things. That's the whole point of the Webb Telescope is for us to be able to see things better than we could see them before, which allows us to go, for example, they they discovered this planet in 2017. Um, We we talked about that, the the one that I always love, the one that's actually called the Very Large Telescope in Chile. I think that's just a great name for a telescope. But anyway, the European Southern Observatory's Very Large Telescope in Chile and they use the short infrared wavelengths of light. Webb's view is at a longer infrared length, which sounds, okay, so what? Well, what it means is that there's greater, many, many, many times more detail, and also uh, things that we could not possibly see from the ground-based telescopes. So there's uh, our, our atmosphere, you understand. If we're looking into space from our planet, we have to look through our atmosphere. But if the telescope is up there, then it doesn't have to do that. So the distortion and the changes are not what they would be. This particular thing, it's it's very hip. This is hip 65426. Some numerologist probably has a great time with that one, but it's also B. It's about 100 times farther from its host star than Earth is from its sun. How about that? <laughs> no, Joe, it's okay. You can holler. <laughs> I mean, you know, we won't get into, we won't do too much more music, but hollering is fine. Hollering is just fine, trust me. I have some controversy here on my desk. You might want to join in today. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven is the Super Talk call line. The text line is six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. I um 
And I just got a note from someone telling me that my posts onto Facebook didn't get there. They wanted to see if I was still here or if I had vaporized, but I've not vaporized. I'm still here. I, I'm, I'm not a real meta person. And so as a result, when I post things, I don't necessarily go look to see if they got there. <laughs> I apologize. I'll do better. Anyway, there's some controversy um because, and in fact, last week it came up. Our, our caller from the West Coast was talking about the need to plant more trees. And I've never said don't do that. I've always thought, for example, after Katrina, we talked about we needed to plant two for every one we had lost. And that was thousands, hundreds of thousands of trees. But now the researchers from the University of Gothenburg and other places are warning us that Something that I had no idea. They're saying that forests are actually nutrient poor. What? And that they will not be a carbon sink in the long term. What? I had no idea. This is completely sideways to everything that I've known and been taught. But anyway, according to this, the older the forest is, the less uptake of CO2 occurs, and every time they're planted... It's a risk of releasing more. I don't know what I think about this, but I am going to throw it out here to you because so many of you are interested in tree planting and questioning. Sometimes when we question what we do, we find out a whole lot more about what we should have known. Okay, but I'm looking to find out more about this particular thing. They say that the actual planting of trees can cause a problem if it is disrupting something that is already a good carbon sink like a heath bog or tundra in the Arctic. Gee, that's really something. I'm, I've got. I'm just. It's it's stifling me in terms of my ability to come to a complete conclusion about it because I don't know what I think yet. Um, I don't have to agree with research. I just pay attention to it, and then somebody else will come along very soon and give us another um, another question. You know, another thing. Oh, here's a. Uh, Wow. Here's this is Charlie and Brenda in Clarksdale. Hey, y'all had a terrible experience with squash this summer planted early. The plants were thriving and then the worms. Yeah. Pulled them up. Uh, hey, Charlie pulled them up and uh, replanted for the fall. Same results. Well, what to do for next season? The first thing is to plant them somewhere else because they do tend to get we, we tend squash tends to get reinfected or infested in this case in the, if you plant it in the same place. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you're going to have to do one of two, maybe both of these things. And a lot of people just do this routinely because otherwise the squash vine borers tear them up every year. First is to get some floating row cover and put it over as soon as the plants sprout or when you plant the little plants out. The, the mother moth is going to come along and find those plants and lay her eggs on there, on the on the baby stems where they grow along with the stems, okay? And unfortunately, you're subject to that. She, she'll find you if you can see the plants, if she can find the plants. Floating row cover is a white fabric sheet that you put over the top of things. People put it over the top of a lot of things, things they want to keep cabbage worms off of, for example. But people grow things over with, with with this particular sheet over the top of it to keep the moth from being able to lay eggs. Sunlight and water still go right through. Doesn't change the growing conditions for the squash underneath. 
The other thing is you need to learn to recognize the egg groups, and that is that when the squash plants are growing along and everybody's doing fine, you have to turn that stem over and look on the back of it, and on the back there will be amber-colored eggs in groups. If you can get those off, then they can't hatch and bore into your stem and kill your squash plant. So it's a, this is a, this is the sustainable gardening um, tip for today, I suppose, which is to say exclude insects whenever possible so you don't have to think about how to deal with them. And in fact, once the squash vine borer has torn up your squash, there's not any dealing with it. it that's at least that part of the plant, and usually the whole plant, is a goner. So I'm I'm going to suggest floating row cover, and then I'm also going to suggest that you get really good at looking for the eggs. And it it'll it uh, you know it's it's a a shocking thing. That you can't, if you do it once, then why would it happen again? Usually we think about fall as being more for aphids, but there's certainly squash borers out there. All of the moths that do these things are around in the summertime, so if they can find a place to lay their eggs, they're going to. And your your planting will not be not be happy about it. So either of those two things, though, will work. Particularly where there's no remediation, there's oftentimes a sustainable point of view that starts before the problem. For example... We're talking about growing mums, growing. If if you want to grow the other kinds of mums, you have to prepare a better soil. You can't just plant them in our soils in the deep south because they're too heavy and they stay too wet. That's why we grow a lot of those other things in containers. Um, one of my very first, um, you're welcome, Charlie. One of my very first jobs in horticulture was disbudding mums for corsages. That's a hard word for me to say. If you are a corsage mum, you grow on a tall stem that's about as big around as my little finger, and every other thing that comes off the side of that, every other flower bud that comes off the side of that stem is clipped off by hand. There's not a machine even today that can do that. The result of that, just like when we talk about people who grow competition tomatoes taking off all the other fruit except for the one or two that they want to ripen and and therefore get all the energy into and get bigger and bigger and bigger, the same thing is true of these corsage mums. Um, I, I don't know this. I was never told this. But I really do think that the point of the research that we were doing there in the horticulture department was to create corsage mums that were bigger than the heads of the people that were going to wear them. Because the bigger they got, the better it was, the happier everybody was. And you do understand, of course, when you work in a research facility, one day a week, in our case it was Friday, you have to cut everything, measure everything, count everything, and do all of that work to sum up what happened, and then you go on to the next week when you do it all over again. So it's not something that, you, you learn in a moment, but you do learn pretty quickly which varieties of those corsage mums have the op- option to get really, really huge. Same way you do with when you grow the tomatoes that you want to win the contest. It's, it's an interesting, I'm not exactly sure what the reason for all of us doing any of that is, but we just do. <laughs> Julie's in Tupelo today. Um, and when is the best time to move Mahonias? Sometime after the middle of October, we're going to talk about that. The digging up of, of shrubs and trees in one place and relocating them to another is best done sometime between November and February. I tend to push that, for example, in, in Tupelo, I think late October it's going to be fine to do that. But it's it's a question of wanting to move them after they've stopped growing 
and while they can still put on some roots, our our soils don't freeze, therefore our roots continue to grow a little bit all winter. And the longer that that shrub has to put its roots down before we ask it to put on top growth next spring, the better the chances are that it's going to survive without any transplant shock. So that's that's I think that that's probably the best advice on that one. Mid-October or even a little bit later. I'm always amazed at the things that y'all write to me about during the week and the things that go right past all of us. But the dogs crying got all the attention. I really should I I don't tweet. I I I follow a few people on Twitter, but I don't actually tweet much myself. And I think this is something I should have tweeted. It would have hit and gone viral all over the place because people don't think their dogs cry or they think that they do. So I brought it back. I usually don't bring back something, but because several of you said, "What did you say?" <laughs> I figured, okay, more than one person's interested, I'll let you know. Yes, in fact, the, one of the notice the, the way this starts oftentimes any any thing that we try to prove in science or try to test the theory about is we observe something and then we want to know if well was that a unique experience or does that happen everywhere or how often does it happen or where you know all those kind of things this particular um he, he has standard poodles and one of them was nursing pups and there were tears something changed in the dog's face and there were tears in her eyes now the because because he's a scientist and because he knows that oxytocin is produced when you when the dog nurses and oxytocin is also associated with tears does it increase them it was the question of all of this and of course oxytocin is the one that is known as the love hormone i feel I've, every time i say something like that i feel like i'm in an austin powers movie you know it's just but it's that's exactly what they call it and it it is it is released between dogs and their owners during interactions I would argue that occasionally the cats will even give us a little bit of love too oh my goodness speaking of that did you know that chrysanthemum tea is drunk more than anything else in some parts of the world I need Jason to tell me about this our friends at the great Mississippi Tea Company would y'all listening today give me a holler Hey, Lucky Buck here. It's time to have more fun more often. That's right, my little buckaroos. The Mississippi Lottery will begin drawing cash three and cash four twice a day. But wait, there's more. Add the fireball feature and you can increase your winnings and increase your odds of winning. More times to play cash three and cash four. More ways to win with fireball. Ah, Sounds like a winner to me. Have fun, y'all. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. 
Give your customers a whole home energy upgrade. The Propane Energy Pod Builder Incentive Program. What's the Propane Energy Pod? It's a total home energy upgrade that combines high-efficiency propane gas appliances to meet a home's major energy needs and delivers superior comfort and efficiency compared with all electric homes. Not only is it good for homeowners, it's good for builders, too. All propane homes, on average, are valued up to 5% higher than all electric homes. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. Are you a hard worker? Are you dependable? Do you have a good attitude? Do you want to be part of a team? If so, the Black Label Bridge Builders at Key Constructors offers lead men and women purpose-driven career opportunities with on-the-job and outside training, leadership development, and benefits. To learn more about what it takes to be a Black Label Bridge Builder, please visit Key's website at keyconstructors.com. Please also follow at Key Constructors on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to see regular updates on the Black Label Bridge Builders. Attention, per the current government mandate, U.S.-based insurers are now required to cover at-home COVID testing kits with no out-of-pocket fees to you. If you have a current insurance plan, you are eligible to receive up to eight COVID-19 tests shipped to you each month absolutely free. As long as the government mandate is in effect, just visit testkitforfree.com to register now from the comfort of your own home. That's testkitforfree.com to receive your tests shipped to you at no cost. Go to testkitforfree.com today. Paid for by Euro Health. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. Celebrating our 40th anniversary at Cock of the Walk. Voted the best catfish in Mississippi with our grilled or fried catfish along with greens, coleslaw, and a skillet of our homemade cornbread. With locations on the Reservoir, Pocahontas, and one mile from the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, Tennessee. Catfish, hush puppies, and fried dill pickles. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. I like chicken. I like fish. I like hush puppies. I love it. Catfish is excellent. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. Hello, my name is John Merrill, the owner of Amada Senior Care. We're your local trust advisor for senior home care. We provide experienced caregivers for your loved ones so they can remain in their home. Just like you would care for your loved ones, our employees provide assistance with their personal care needs. As your trusted senior advisor, I can help your family navigate the long-term care insurance process. Just call me, John Merrill with Amada Senior Care, for your free in-home consultation, 601 864-3752. Summer doesn't have to end on Labor Day, and neither do the savings at Miskelly's and Miskelly's.com. Save up to 15% off and get special no-money-down financing for 60 months. Bring everyone together with a new sectional or dining room. Need something now? Choose from our huge selection of in-stock inventory, and there's no waiting. Stretch out the summer as long as you can and save big during the extended Labor Day sale at Miskelly's and Miskelly's.com. What if there was a paint that could awaken something as old as that Rip Van Winkle guy? Hey, what? Because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth. Hey, there's hair on my head again. If a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life, is it still paint? Regal Select Exterior from Benjamin Moore. Paint like no other. Seabrook Paints in Jackson and Ridgeland. Visit SeabrookPaints.com.
like to be there. Thank you so much for tuning in to Weekend Gardening today. Some good questions coming in on our text line where you can always join us, of course. There are, I tell you what, Brendan, Brandon, you're such a good gardener because I, I see your plants here, so I know. I think this is a, a pink polka dot plant that has reseeded itself and actually established itself here in your planter or your planted area. Look up and see Hippoestus and see if I'm right, because it does have a lilac purple flower on it. And we don't see it bloom that often. We usually just see this in a, a container, you know, a four inch pot sitting on somebody's group of indoor plants. But sometimes things can seed out and sometimes and it really just gives me that pink polka dot flavor. OK, so look and see if that might if I might be correct about that. I'd like to know. Cookie wants to know if she should trim off her hydrangea flowers that are brown. That It's so funny. We we do really all have sort of the same hive mind going. You know, I was standing this morning with my cup of coffee looking at my hydrangeas that are about to eat my back stoop because I didn't prune them this year. And I thought, you know, I'm really enjoying the way the flowers have antiqued this year. And yours are doing the same thing. But, yes, if we're tired of looking at them, it's still fine. Don't don't go pruning the plant a whole lot, but trimming the flowers off, either using them, putting them into a bowl or something for decoration or spray painting them different colors or drying them or baking a topiary out of them or whatever you might want to do, this is a great time to do that. And I'm, I need to do that, too, so thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Let's see now. Jackie's in Brandon and wants to propagate crepe myrtles. Um, Okay. There are a couple of ways to propagate crepe myrtles, and I think right now is not the time for either one of them, but if if there's there's possibly three ways. Sometimes people will want to dig up a sprout that has come up next to the tree, or they'll want to take off the one of the sprouts that has come along on the trunk. Those are, for the most part, really green, really juvenile, and may or may not do well. It, the problem with the one coming out of the ground is that if it's a seedling from the tree, it isn't going to necessarily be the same plant, the same color flower, or the same leaf shape as the one that you're looking at and wanting to propagate. On the other hand, if it's sprouting from the root, you're going to have to take a root cutting, which is a whole lot of trouble and is is not necessarily going to succeed. The green sprouts that come off of the trunk on a crepe myrtle, you sometimes can root, but it's, it needs to be semi-hard wood, not, not there for a long time and not real, real tender. Because if we were going to root tip cuttings, which is the main way that we do this, we do that in the late spring when the new growth on the crepe myrtle is semi-hard, and you're looking for that same quality if you want to root, root a sprout. Those you would root in a, a container, a pot of soil, um, and and just be sure that it stays damp, but not too wet, because you're trying to get it to root before the bottom of the plant can rot. That's the that's what we're doing when we're propagating from cuttings all the time. So that's the first thing. The one that I would probably do if I had the opportunity is to wait until after the leaves fall off the crepe myrtle and take hardwood cuttings. That's when you're going to take like. 12, 15, 20 cuttings from the tree that are longer, that are bare, and that are what you would have pruned off in January anyway, if you were, you know, if you were doing um, some neatening up on the tree. <clears throat> Excuse me. Those, the hardwood cuttings are, from what I'm told, because I'm not a professional crepe myrtle propagator, I've propagated a couple, but not much, but I'm told that that is really the, um, absolutely absolutely the best way to do it the reason why is because this is a tree and we put it into the soil or wet sand is actually what i prefer and leave it there all winter 
So you can go either direction. You can root the root the cutting off of the side of the tree. You can try and dig up the cutting from the soil. May or may not be the right flower color. Or you can do some hardwood cuttings. Or next spring you can do tip cuttings. Those those six inches when it's the the green bark green stems are too tender. And the ones that will snap when you bend them are too hard. So the things in between is what you're looking for. With crape myrtles and a lot of other plants, really. Um, It's interesting. All right, let's see. Um, Okay, Jennifer's in Madison, and she had two flowers on the marigolds that grew to great heights. Probably the African marigolds, Aztec or Cracker Jack, or one of the other um, varieties that we love to grow for cut flowers. If you got all leaves and no flower, there was too much fertilizer in that soil. The good news is that next year you can plant marigolds in that same place, and you'll probably get all the flowers in the world. Marigolds are not something that need very much fertilizer at all. And, for example, if you put in a whole lot of organic matter to help the soil be a better tilth, to help it drain better and help it you know, hold its, its qualities better, there may have actually been too much nitrogen in that, whether it was... Um, a, a, any, any kind of organic matter is going to be higher in nitrogen than any other element. So you may have just ended up with too much of that. It's possible that there wasn't enough sun, but usually that would usually they would not have gotten tall anyway. They wouldn't they would not have become pretty. Now, if you if you grow the little tiny ones it, like French marigolds or dwarf marigolds and they get too tall but don't bloom, then there's not enough sun. But if you're growing the the taller ones and they get nice and tall and have beautiful leaves on them, that's perfect, except that they needed to have a better fertilizer or a different one added in after you put in all the nitrogen. It does take phosphorus and potassium either present in the soil or in what you apply to the plant for it to bloom in most cases. I say that Clara Curtis mums don't need any fertilizer, and that's true, but the soil certainly had to be hospitable for them. Or they wouldn't have made it. And luckily they did. (laughs) They're everywhere. She says they were the giant ones. Okay, good. Thank you. I love when y'all write back and forth, talking and texting and carrying on around here. So much fun. Well, everything that we have known about stuff uh, is, is, is sometimes proven to our satisfaction and to our great joy from time to time. We always have talked about how important it is to have pollinators and, for example, that one in three things that we eat would not be available to us if there were not bees to pollinate it. Rutgers University has now confirmed what all of us really thought we knew. They have conducted a study showing how many more species of bees are needed if you look at things over the longer term. In other words, the, my, this fits right in with my idea that we need to have something blooming all year round so that in the long term, whichever bees are in the area, you know, we've got a bunch of different kinds of bees around here, but that's a subject for another day. If, if we're doing that, then we're nurturing the right kind of environment so that when we need them to come in and pollinate something, they'll already be there. That's why I love it when y'all tell me you're planting clover this fall, when you're putting in some overwintering annuals of any sort at all. Candelabra trees. Oh, I love that plant. That's another one uh, that's so cool. But the researchers said that they have discovered that different bee species pollinated the same types of plants at different times of the year. 
So that, in turn, gives you a little bit more insight not only into the pollinator's life cycle, but also into the way that the flowers themselves prepare for that pollination to occur. So it's really interesting stuff. Um, they're, they're all, the, all the species of bees are necessary to do this sort of testing, and frankly, you don't always find all of them. They, they found that two to three times as many bee species were, were needed to target, for example, the level of crop pollination that they thought, than they thought. So we better nurture those bees, my friends, or they may not, well, they just may not be here when we need them. Nowadays, most people go online to look at a business before they spend their money. Are customers able to find you online? With the power of Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital, you can reach potential customers and get more referral and repeat business. Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital's highly trained and trusted staff is ready to work with you to help your business capitalize on the power of digital marketing. Call 601-991-2305 or go to stmmdigital.com to get started today. Hey, Lucky Buck here. It's time to have more fun more often. That's right, my little buckaroos. The Mississippi Lottery will begin drawing cash three and cash four twice a day. But wait, there's more. Add the fireball feature and you can increase your winnings and increase your odds of winning. More times to play cash three and cash four. More ways to win with fireball. Ah, Sounds like a winner to me. Have fun, y'all. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Engagements offer the promise of eternal love. Confirm that inspiration with a stunning diamond from Albritton's. Every stone is carefully selected for its color, cut, and clarity. From classic solitaires to multiple stone selections, Albritton's offers the latest designs celebrated for splendor and value. Albritton's, four generations strong and still Mississippi's foremost diamond merchant. Hey, I'm here with Alex Murray of Auto Innovation. At Auto Innovation, we want to change your car buying experience. When you're in the market for a quality pre-owned vehicle, please come see us. We want to make friends, not just customers. All eligible vehicles are inspected by a Master Tech mechanic and come with a limited powertrain warranty on us. We are located on Highway 51 in Ridgeland. Come by and see us or check out our inventory online at autoinnovation.net. Let us change your car buying experience. Auto Innovation, Highway 51 in Ridgeland. You're listening to WFMN Flora Jackson, Super Talk Mississippi, powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. Online at baroniestreepros.com. I'm Caleb Sailors, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. As the midterms get closer, more Mississippians are registering to vote. Secretary of State Michael Watson says it's important for voters to know that you can't register to vote online in the state, it has to be done in person. 
Well, we've also seen some uh, growth in uh, you know notices out on Facebook or the internet about people trying to register to vote or different links, different uh, groups coming in to try to help with that effort. And many of those times, we have seen uh, it, it's efforts that aren't connected to the state, and so people are, are not allowed to really register through uh, false methods. If you have any questions about registering to vote, contact your local circuit clerk's office. In other news, the Mississippi State Department of Health has announced expanded eligibility for those recommended to receive the monkeypox vaccine. As of Friday, there have been 48 reported cases of monkeypox in Mississippi. For more information on the expanded eligibility, log on to supertalk.fm. Have you ever seen a field of corn or soybeans or cotton growing along the highway? Think about that for a moment. From tiny seeds comes this field of crops. You and I need to live our lives every day. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation celebrates 100 years in 2022. We began much the same way as a seed of an idea that took root in 1922. In the 100 years since, the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation has contributed so much to our lives across every county of this state. From insurance to hospitals, from private property rights to road and bridge repair, Mississippi Farm Bureau has fought to make a better way of life for Mississippians, member or not. So, while agriculture is important, we are not just a farm organization. 100 years of strengthening our families, our communities, and our state. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. 100 years of faith, family, and Farm Bureau. Some members of the national media have portrayed the water crisis in the city of Jackson as a race issue. That's something a lot of Mississippians, like Mississippi GOP Chair Frank Bordeaux, find frustrating, but not surprising. I believe that our state government has stepped in, done a fine job, tried not to make this a political issue. The national media will not uh, allow that narrative to, to exist. Um, they're they're not going to beat up on a uh, liberal uh, Democrat mayor who has not done his job, uh, and they're casting blame on the Republican Party. And I think all of us know that's disingenuous. Over 150,000 residents and business owners have been under a boil water advisory for over a month. A federal emergency declaration was approved last week, and the state took over operations at the city's main water treatment facility, which was on the verge of failure. I'm Kelly Bennett. In Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. Week 2 of college football finds the Southern Miss Golden Eagles on the road to Miami to take on the Miami Hurricanes at 11 o'clock kickoff there at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami as Southern Miss goes for the first win of the season against the Miami Hurricanes. Then the Southeastern Conference, Ole Miss is at home against Central Arkansas tonight. 6 o'clock kick at Vault Hemingway, 4 o'clock airtime on the Ole Miss Football Network. Then Mississippi State travels to Arizona with a 10 p.m. kickoff. That's right, 10 p.m. kickoff tonight, 7 o'clock airtime on the MSU Football Network as the Bulldogs take on the Wildcats of Arizona. Alabama will take on Texas. South Carolina will take on Arkansas this morning. Kentucky will take on Florida. Those are some SEC matchups in the conference today. Wake Forest is at Vanderbilt as the Commodores go for their first 3-0 start. I'm Dixon Williams, and this is Sports Mississippi. From the ground up, from the grassroots. That's how we began in 1922, and that's how we do things today. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation celebrates 100 years in 2022. 
100 years of farming, ranching, and supporting our 180,000 member families. From our state capital in Jackson to our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Creating policy, advocating for a better way of life for all Mississippi. We've been there through the tough times when Hurricane Katrina blew ashore. There is extensive damage on U.S. 90. Triumphant times, winning the right to vote to protect private property rights for Mississippians. We introduced benefits like our insurance in the 1940s and fought to stretch broadband internet service from DeSoto County to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So, from the ground up, not just a farm organization, 100 years of strengthening our families, our communities, and our state. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. 100 years of faith, family, and Farm Bureau. The NFL regular season is underway, and the first full Sunday finds games on Sunday morning. The Orleans Saints will be at Atlanta to play the Atlanta Falcons and open the season there. And then it will be the Baltimore Ravens at New York to play the Jets. The Cleveland Browns will take on the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. Indianapolis will be at Houston to play the Texans. Jacksonville will take on the Washington Commanders in Washington. New England will be at Miami to play the Dolphins. The Philadelphia Eagles will take on the Detroit Lions. And the Pittsburgh Steelers take on Cincinnati. San Francisco is at Chicago. Those are the Sunday morning games. Then you find the Green Bay Packers in Minnesota to take on the Vikings. The Kansas City Chiefs will be at Arizona. The Las Vegas Raiders take on the Chargers. The Giants at Tennessee. And Tampa Bay Sunday night will take on the Dallas Cowboys. And then Monday, Denver versus Seattle. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. Thank you so much for being here. Whether you're a gardener or just a radio listener, and I say that with the just in the uh, actually exalted sense, let's face it. We're in the same boat. We like to listen. We like to use our ears. Somebody said to me, asked me the other day, what do you do? I said, I listen. And then I pretty much try to say something. But for the most part, I listen. And I think that that is really the joy of having the opportunity to do this kind of broadcast with all of you. Because we have, we could literally be sitting around on the porch together drinking a cup of coffee. Or we could be in 15 different states with, you know, four different time zones. I mean, it doesn't really make any difference because we're all here together when we're here. And that's the joy to me, the joy of radio. Um, I don't know. I I probably have told you all this before, but my first radio that was given to me was about, oh, six inches wide and four inches across. And it was sort of like a small loaf of bread shaped thing. And it was turquoise blue. And and if you put it in the window of the bedroom with the window open and line the entire window screen with aluminum foil, you could hear Little Rock from my house. (laughs) It was a big deal. Pretty soon we learned that if you made little tubes out of the aluminum foil and ran them through the hole that was obviously not done by me in the screen, you could get Del Rio, Texas. And that was pretty exciting, too. (laughs) Somewhere in there. 
there was somebody riding those airwaves all the way out. And many of you did that. I know that. Y'all are, I've heard people tell me that the first radio they ever remember is the baseball broadcast out of Chicago or out of St. Louis or somewhere because their father was listening to them. And that's part of the joy of it is those, those kind of memories that hold on to us. We were talking in the previous hour about shrubs for shade. So I thought I would jump into this hour with trees for sun while we're, we're shopping or while we're as they would say, perusing mama's yard for what we might want to dig up. You know, there's all kind of things out there that you want to do to the trees for sun are not something that we think about all the time because often we're trying to plant something that's going to get big and fast and give us shade. But there are others that are just absolutely beautiful and they're not slow growers, but they're not massive trees. So they can fit in just about anyone's garden. Chinese pistache is my favorite fall color tree. Now, it, that's because it's not invasive, it's because it's reliable color, and it's because you don't see it on every corner, all right? I'm not going to name the trees that are in that other group, but this is the one that I want you to take a look at. It is, it's it's orange, red, and yellow all at the same time, and, and I love, love, love that tree. Grancy Graybeard is also beautiful. You may think of it from the springtime because of those fringed white blooms, but it, it actually it, it has beautiful yellow fall color. And uh, the folks at Southern Living say that it is the the best tree that nobody plants <laughs> or the best native tree that nobody plants. And we should. But I'm still watching the absolute frenzy that is the chase tree in my front garden, Vitex Agnes Castus. This is my tree that is the symbol of don't believe everything you're told, even when it's told to you by somebody that you trust, because they may not know. And also the you never know what's going to happen when you plant something actually what will actually become of it. In this case, what was supposed to be a deep blue, because I loved that tree, deep blue Vitex flower actually didn't turn out to be one. It's pale lavender. That's because it was a seedling and not a cutting. The person who gave it to me was sure it was from cuttings. It wasn't. It was a seedling. Guess what? It's a better grower than the other tree, and it is covered up. You can you can walk out there and hear the hum of the bees in the tree. So I wouldn't replace it for anything. It's still not the bright blue that I was hoping for, but it's a beautiful tree, and it's one that has given me and the pollinators a whole lot of summer joy. If you want to plant one evergreen tree, um, plant Nellie Stevens Holly. Not just because her name is Nellie, but that I don't, that doesn't hurt, but because it's a beautiful tree and it is one that can that just grows and does well and establishes her, herself as an anchor in any garden design that you put that tree in. Really wonderful one. Another in the evergreen department, of course, are the sweet olives. I've looked out recently, realized that I'm going to have to cut one branch on my sweet olive, and it sort of made me sad. The whole tree needs to be shaped, but this one branch is about to scratch off part of my house, so I'm going to have to take that one off. But they're beautiful trees, and and they bloom over and again, and it is just like nothing. It's you open that window, and the next thing you know, you're having a thought that you weren't. You're, it's like listening to a beautiful piece of music, except that it's addressing another one of your senses in your smell. Banana shrub is doing the same thing. I'm in zone eight. Those of you who think this plant can't grow in zone eight, I'm here to disagree with you. This is this is the Michelia that is so beautiful. And when it blooms, which is off and on all year, it has the smell, yes, of bananas. Not not the banana that is the terrible banana smell 
of the children's antibiotics, okay? It's not that. It's an actual plant that smells like the banana you hope for, okay? So add those to your list. Add those to your list. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven is the Super Talk call line here always when I'm here on Saturdays. That is the first priority. Six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Running a close second is the ceasefire text line. And I so appreciate um y'all weighing in on things with me and telling me what's going on in, in other pieces. Um Andrea says, please tell us about propagating a chase tree. Well, Obviously, you can grow them from seed because that's where mine came from. (laughs) But if you want to get the one that you're looking at, whether it's blue or purple or in some cases the flowers are some other really odd kind of mauvey shade, it's just that individual tree, you do need to do the softwood cutting. I've not, I don't know people who do this from a hardwood cutting. If you're out there, call me and tell me. But the softwood cutting that we take when the new growth is on in the springtime but is not yet hard enough that, say, the a six-inch cutting, if it'll snap between your fingers, it's too hard. So you have to wait till the next year. But that, that semi-soft wood has rooted well for me because a couple people did, in fact, want cuttings of this tree. And I have provided them for them. It, they rooted really, really well. Um, something else that has rooted really well, and I'm just... I'm amazed. I had no idea it was going to happen. I've stuck all the cuttings because I would like to circle the front part of the garden bed that has the Clara Curtis in it with the little Caldwell pink rose that comes from Caldwell Road somewhere in Texas that um, I really have enjoyed so much, and I, I would like for it to be there and take that space. Well, they've all rooted, and now they're in bloom. So now I've got to put them somewhere, but I, it's, I'm not going to transplant them while they're in bloom. But they, I, I, I love to root things like roses and other woody plants like we're talking about here in recycle quart pots. And quart pots, of course, are what usually perennials will come in or something, but they're, they're deeper than they are wide across, which gives you plenty of room for those roots when you are rooting something that you'd like to put on a nice maybe three or four inches of good solid roots before you have to disturb them. Paul the Poinsettia. <sighs> Yeah, Paul the Poinsettia. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Paul is now four years old. I took Paul home from here when they decorate with poinsettias here. And I think since this has been that long ago, I can say at the end of time, some of them are sitting here and they're kind of sad. And I took one of the sad ones home and watered it and named it Paul, and I've been growing it ever since. They come in a four-inch pot, all right? Now Paul is in a two-gallon pot because the thing just kept getting bigger and bigger, and I refused to cut it back except to trim it, all right? I do have done a little bit of pruning. This is an absolutely perfect plant. Sadly, it's too big for me to move in and out or put a drape over or cover it. I, I included Paul in in the the newsletter that I'll be putting out next week, because Paul is now taller than a three-foot yardstick. He is now as wide as the three-foot yardstick. All this from a plant that was about 12 inches tall in the container with four flowers on it. So this has been a great success. But it will be January before I get to see this thing. And this is now I've got the problem. It used to be that only the citrus tree was too big to fit in the house. Now the poinsettia is too big to fit in the house. So where am I going to put it? I don't know. If you have a greenhouse that I can bring the poinsettia to, let me know. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. Um, Sandra says, 
that the for, her forsythia is dying. It's in a line with crepe myrtles. They're healthy. And have we had too much rain or what? It's been there 20 years. Well, 20 years is actually pretty good for a forsythia. Um, I wouldn't say that it's time to stop fertilizing or anything. She asks that kind of question. No, I wouldn't say that. But I, I would say that it may be time to um, put plant another one <laughs> to add to the collection. Forsythias usually we prune right after they flower in the very early spring. And so if the weather after that is not so suitable if it gets super wet or if it gets really droughty for a month or something you know which it can do it doesn't usually but any kind of extreme like that that interferes with its regrowth can cause it to be not so great and eventually can in fact do it in but 20 years is not that bad for a forsythia so you've you've done well i think it may just be time to plant a new one maybe propagate that one too okay okay Thank you very much. I don't know what this means. I, I love stories about animals, and I'm, I have a couple of friends that are just particularly devoted to elephants. Um, I, I recognize the difficulties that elephants have had as, a, as creatures because they are so large and yet, for the most part, um, so beloved by human beings that we tend not to be as nice to them or to leave them alone, which is probably what we should have done. But... The reason that this story is interesting to me, and it may be to you, is because this story from the University of Vienna, this research rather from the University of Vienna, is putting us together with an acoustic camera that visualizes sound pressure. Those are words. They're a phrase. They almost make no sense. And yet it's a thing. Um, they, they, they have been investigating the trumpet calls of Asian elephants with an acoustic camera that visualizes sound pressure. Wow. Okay, now, the elephant's rumble, we've, we've all heard that, uh, that, that, that rumbling sound, comes about through their trunk or their mouth and their trunk simultaneously, but very, very seldom just from their mouth. And this is the first study to conclusively demonstrate that this combined nose and mouth calling happens in this non-human animal. It didn't, we've never seen this again. The journal Animals is, is um, presenting this, and as you may have already gathered, elephants have the longest nasal elongation in the world. Big surprise. Giraffes have the longest necks. Um, anyway, but it's, it, they're, they're, so their rumblings resonate even deeper if you, if they come through the trunk as well as, I, I, I take this to be that, you know, mama might speak to you, but if she lowers her voice and really gets with it, then you know you're in more trouble than you were. And I have a feeling the same is true of the elephants, that they will take that, they'll take it from their mouth into their nose to make it deeper and make it louder and make you a little bit more intimidated by it. Humans, of course, form our vowels. But with everything in our, in our mouth, our tongue, our lips, and the way that our mouth opens and closes, it's, it's aperture. Therefore, that's how the vocal tract makes its sounds. But mammals are, were expected to have much less flexibility to modify all that until we studied the elephants. Pretty cool. Needless to say, more study is needed. <laughs> More than 1.1 million sea turtles, y'all come on now, this is just ridiculous, have been poached over the last three decades. What? Don't we know how much trouble they're in? Why would we do this? 
Well, the illegal trafficking of plants and, yes, animals is a huge problem. We have people spending their entire lives trying to figure out how to preserve and conserve populations to maintain the eco-diversity of our planet. And we have these other bad actors who spend all of their careers trying to figure out how to undo it all. Well, I don't like that. None of that none of that works for me. So in this particular case, if there's anything especially interesting about the animal, and the sea turtles certainly have plenty of that, that's why, for example, they're they're hunted, they're captured, and they are in fact taken out of the the world that we would like them to live in. Not as pets necessarily, but sometimes even as pets. Global change biology is letting us know from the Arizona State researchers that have been working on this that unfortunately, just between 1990 and 2020, we have this number of 1.1 million sea turtles. Despite the seemingly large number of poached turtles, the actual illegal exploitation has been reduced by nearly a third over that same period of time. So in other words, there's a whole lot of them, and although we're able to slow down the process, we're not bending the curve quite as much as we'd like to. We, we're down a quarter, but we, we need to get down further if, they, if these turtles are actually to survive. Um, unfortunately, it's really crazy. Um, the, the sea turtles are one of those things that are really, they're, they're not the canary in the coal mine. In other words, the, the canary in the coal mine is an expression that was why they, the reason that they would put a canary or put a caged bird like that into a coal mine was because if there was dangerous gas that you couldn't smell or see, the bird would die first. I know that sounds terrible, but it's the truth. And we needed that canary to sacrifice its life in order for the human beings there not to die. All right. So that's that's why canaries that's the canary in the coal mine expression. And in this case, the sea turtles are not necessarily the the canary in the coal mine, but both in terms of the way they survive, the way they live and the way they are assaulted by human beings in this case, we can tell a whole lot about other populations too. And the ultimate is that if we have a particular piece of them that we like if there's something that we want to get from them in the same way that there is for these guys the poaching and whatnot that's the ones that are most targeted and we have to watch the numbers because quite frankly we will end up in a situation where the evildoers are are outpacing the good guys or good gals or the 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 good doers i guess would be the expression for that so we have to pay attention oh speaking of paying attention we have a lot of planting to do right now, my friends. If you have not gotten your broccoli, your cabbage, your cauliflower, get going. You, you can still do some seeding in some places, but right now you have absolutely got to get yourself to the garden center, get some plants, and get them started. And, yeah, it's about time for garlic and onions, too, getting close to that. So if you don't like the varieties that are available in your area, this is the time to order them so you can be planting those very, very soon, too. It's a lot to think about. I guess we need to step in with Lucinda. We need to get right.
Are you looking for a contractor for your new home or remodel? Go licensed. Unlicensed contractors may try to convince you that pulling your own permit can save you money, but they may do shoddy work, or in some cases, no work at all, costing you far more in the long run. Protect yourself and your investment by comparing estimates from three licensed contractors. Remember, go licensed. For more information, contact the Mississippi State Board of Contractors at msboc.us. Hey, Lucky Buck here. It's time to have more fun more often. That's right, my little buckaroos. The Mississippi Lottery will begin drawing cash three and cash four twice a day. But wait, there's more. Add the fireball feature and you can increase your winnings and increase your odds of winning. More times to play cash three and cash four. More ways to win with fireball. Ah, sounds like a winner to me. Have fun, y'all. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-470. Hey, this is Bob, and if you're like me, you like dealing with local people. Majestic Metals was founded in Mississippi in 1954 and are headquartered right in Gluckstadt. For complete metal building systems and steel roofing and siding, call the hometown folks. Majestic Metals, 800-647-8540 or online at MajesticMetalsINC.com. When you choose Roto-Rooter, you'll get honest estimates and no-hassle guarantees so you can get it fixed quickly and enjoy peace of mind. We're there for you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, day and night, holidays, and weekends. We've been providing service to Mississippi for over 80 years. Call the original Roto-Rooter, 601-353-3333. Mention this ad to receive $25 off any service. Call Roto-Rooter, that's the name. Got a winkle troubles down the drain. Roto-Rooter. What you don't know about your home can cost you. Access to in-depth data is gold when buying or selling your home. With Only.com, you get the information the pros use. Real estate investors and agents would rather keep this to themselves. Unlike other real estate websites, Only.com delivers much more detailed information about a property. Knowledge is power. Need a home valuation? Get up to three with Only.com. Go for the gold. Visit Only.com. That's O-W-N-E-R-L-Y.com. Only.com. Paid for by Only. Since 1871, Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton has been providing everything you need. Everything for your house, fencing, plumbing, flowers, lumber. Everything for your animals, dogs, cats, birds, chickens, cows, horses. And everything for your patio and yard. Bayou Classic Cookers, Wind Chimes, Orca and Pelican Coolers. We have most everything. 150 years of serving the community, family owned and operated. Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile, downtown Bolton since 1871. We'll see you soon. Today on Hey Culligan, soft water, cleaner environment. What do you say, Greg? Hey Culligan, are you saying if I have a Culligan high-efficiency water softener, I'm also helping the environment? It sounds like you're saying it, Greg, and yes, you are, because with the Culligan high-efficiency water softener, you'll use less detergent, soap, and harsh chemicals, and that's good for the planet. Now you're saying it. You bet I am, Greg. Soft water and a cleaner environment is already on the way. Let us help you out with a free in-home water test from a local Culligan water expert at Culligan.com. Hi, I'm Thomas Trammell with Family Terminal. With all the excessive heat we've had during this summer, mosquitoes are running rampant. Protect your family, protect your home. Give us a call at 601-933-1014 or reach us at our website at www.family-termite.com. That's 601-933-1014 or at our website www.family-termite.com. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. The Philly Cheesesteak Sandwich or Wrap, Melt-in-Your-Mouth Pulled Pork Sandwich, and the best burger in the Metro. Call 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283. 
For those of you who complained that I wasn't playing enough Van Morrison, <clears throat> today is the Thursday. So there it is. Now, it's, I, there won't be as many in another day. It's not his birthday. It's not any of that. I just, when I get enough complaints, I try to do something about it. <laughs> Whew. But that is a good one. And, and yeah, full force scale is kind of something that can explain a lot. Things change a whole bunch. How does nature nurture your brain? Can you tell me that? I hope so. Talk about music. Talk about food. Talk about all the ways that we soothe ourselves. We calm ourselves. We bring ourselves into focus. We stay in our center place, you know, and, and, and get ourselves comfortable. Well, nature does a lot of that. I will tell you that if I go for a walk in my backyard and walk around trying to put in however many steps or however many this or that, the problem is I can see everything that's not done and needs to be done. That's why you need to go walk somewhere that you don't have to be responsible for. <laughs> you need to go walk at a park or at somebody else's property. So you can just say, oh, isn't that beautiful, while they're worrying about you know what they haven't done already. The Max Planck Institute for Human Development are lovely people. Indeed, measuring folks before, during, and after 60-minute walks in nature have discovered that, in fact, the activity in the brain red regions that deal with stress are reduced as a result of walking that 60 minutes in nature. you got to love that. Um, nobody could understand really for a long time whether it was that nature actually caused the effects in the brain or whether those particular individuals that got benefit from it chose to live there. And what we have seen now is that Individuals that don't live in nature will still have that good respect. I mean, that good that good um, outcome when they give themselves the opportunity to go into the woods for a one hour walk. Pretty interesting. And in fact, we've seen this before a little bit. Um, city city dwellers in the examination of city dwellers' brains. This was a while back that um they they noted that people that that they had if they had that forest preserve if they had the nature center down the street if they had those places that they could go and get into nature easily they actually had different brain structures than people who lived in high-rise buildings with nothing green around them so something to consider because it's not baloney it's actually the real deal i like that um let's see what do we got going on here oh it's ronnie and sumrall Let's get Ronnie up here, and we'll see what's going on with Ronnie today. What's up, Ronnie? Well, I've got two blueberry uh, plants. They're probably around our bushes. They're about, uh, I guess, around three foot tall. And one of them, about two weeks ago, the leaves just disappeared, like almost overnight. It looks like a, I mean, just a look at observation, looks like a cutworm on a, eat up a tomato plant. You know, it's just sitting there just all... Mm-hmm limbs and no, no leaves that's the way this blueberry plant looks let me ask you are the leaves gone or are they on the ground uh i didn't watch but i got a lot of other okay well well here's the deal if the leaves are not on the ground it was in fact something could have been uh, could have been it could have been an azalea worm it could have been any number of worms that would climb you know that the egg would have gotten laid on there and they would eat the leaves off <laughs> so that does happen if on the other hand they all just shed onto the ground then we may be looking at something more basic like a drainage issue. Um, It's too dry, it's too wet. For some reason or another, the roots are not able to sustain the top. 
So I'm I'm thinking something may have come along and and may actually eaten your leaves. But what the thing to do right now is is to go and take and make sure that it's still alive. Do the scrape test. You know, go up to the tip of the branch, use your thumbnail and scrape off a little bit of the bark. Make sure it's green underneath. And as long as it's green underneath, just let it be. It's going it'll relief if not now, it'll relief next spring. Well, I noticed it just a few minutes ago, and there's like six or eight leaves on there still. Mm-hmm. And they're green, so okay. Well, then it's alive. still healthy. I mean, it's still alive. It things can take a hit um, and and come back. It is surprising because blueberries don't usually do that. But I have to tell you, I've I've had blueberries that shed one whole branch on one on my biggest blueberry bush, dropped every one of its leaves a few years ago, and I thought, well, I'll just be cutting that off. And sure enough, it leafed back out. I've it's never been bothered again. But I don't know the answer. I do know that it's either going to be a soil issue or it's going to be something eating on the top. And either way, the blueberry is probably going to just sh- shrug it off and be fine. All right. Now, one other quick question. Sure. Similar. I've got a pretty big size pop of gray beard, and uh, I'm going to say it's probably 15 foot tall. And all the leaves are gone off of it. It's in a different place mm-hmm. completely, nowhere close. Mm-hmm. Is it too early for them to be shedding their leaves like for fall? We're right borderline. Um, there's, I look at premature defoliation. It happens on dogwoods. It happens on Japanese maples. It can certainly happen on Grancy graybeards. I think it's just the tree protecting itself. If the leaves that fall are not don't aren't full of leaf spot you know they're not there's not a problem with them they just fall off the tree has just decided that, that we're done for the year and we've got to something is going to have to happen here we're going to throw the leaves off so that we can survive as a tree and i really do think that in a summer where we have had record amounts of water and then record amounts of heat and then you know 105 heat index i'm sure in summer all was not uncommon there for a few weeks the tree may have just said, we're shutting this down. <laughs> we're knocking these leaves off so that the tree can survive. And I don't, I don't right. again, you can go out and do that scratch test on the tips and just make sure it's still alive. But I'm, I'm, I really don't think that that tree's going to give up on you. I think it's just taking some self-protective measures. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. So have a good summerall is so good such a fun place nice people really enjoy that we do have though sometimes when every leaf just falls off of something and you think well it must be dead and of course if it's a house plant and you stick the container on the curb somebody like me comes along gets it and takes it home prune it back and it turns into a full plant again but if it's a tree in your yard it's it's harder to look at it. You may think, well, it must be dead. Well, go find out if it's dead, and if it's not, just give it some time to get over itself. I knew that they grew ginseng in the Appalachians, okay? I've actually known some people who were involved with that. But I didn't know about Appalachian truffles. Did you? The American Chemical Society, my friends, are letting me know that the truffle shavings that are the best, yep, that's right, not the chocolate ones, the truffles, the actual truffles. These are, in fact, uniquely flavorful, have unique scents. I have only experienced white truffles once or twice, twice maybe in my life, and I've had the dark truffles a few more times than that, always just as a viral. It's, a, it, it's um, oh, I don't want to insult anybody. You don't have to ask anybody if they're a vegan because they're going to tell you, okay? You don't have to ask anybody if that's truffle that they're adding onto your food because they're going to tell you because of how much money they spent. 
You don't have to ask if that's saffron in the potatoes because they're going to tell you because of how expensive it is. So in this particular case, this is the first full aroma characterization, I love that term, of Appalachian truffles. Now, I'm getting interested. I'm getting very interested. This is, of course, the, um, the, the tuber species. Several years, particular conditions, yada, 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 people... People hide their the areas that have truffles because other people will come and try to get them, and one thing and another. But what they have done is to to identify the species volitalome, its chemical fingerprint, which makes that particular truffle different from everybody else's, and gives them yes, the most prevalent compounds are particular garlic kind of in in, in in earthiness, but there's some that apparently even smell like. Hmm, cabbage or rotten kimchi. <laughs> go, go, take your pick on that one. But it's a it's a wonderful thing. I love that they're doing this work because it can, in fact, not only elevate the species here, but it can also give us great greater information about truffle species worldwide. And who doesn't need to know more about that? I like it. I like it very, very much. One of the things going on in my back garden right now has been the night-blooming serious explosion. All of them have bloomed, and there's one bud left on one plant that I can see. That doesn't mean that they won't um, make a few more over time, because sometimes that's the best surprise of the fall is that you get another flush of those. But, yeah, they're um, they're big. The, the mama plant is at least four feet from one side to the other and needs badly to be repotted. But if I do that, then she'll grow some more. And I, I, don't have an, I don't have that many rooms in my house. I don't have that many light fixtures or windows or anything else. It's going to be an interesting collection this year. Maybe I will have a plant sale. Maybe I'll just have the great giveaway. <laughs> Stick them out on the street. Here, come get these. I don't know, something. Anyway... I haven't done that in a very long time. It's, it, it could be fun. could be fun. Speaking of all that, you have to think about stuff. You know, if you've listened to me over the years, you know that one of the things that I'm so amazed at and which first happened to me when I saw a picture of, didn't even see the, the sculpture, but I saw a picture of The Thinker by Rodin, famous sculpture of a, a person, a man, um, with his, his chin on his his hand or his not his fist exactly but on his hand thinking deep thoughts of some sort i remember when i first saw that and the the teacher or whoever it was said uh now you know this is one block of of stuff and they 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 carve the statue out of the block of stone you know and i remember thinking how do they do that how do they see that and of course the teacher was smart enough to say it's the gift of an artist to be able to see something in a block of stone that you or I wouldn't see, and then to be able to carve away everything else and leave this beautiful statue. Well, that started me on the path my whole life of thinking, well, you have to see it in your mind first. Whatever you're creating, you got to see it first or you, or you can't get there. The reason you can do something and I can't is because you could see it first. And I really do think that that kind of thought – those pieces of thought are some of the things that we really know about. Like, for example, somebody taps you on the shoulder. Well, the the receptors on your shoulder tell your brain to look over there, but the person might be on the other side reaching around and tapping you on the shoulder. Okay? So that's how we've, we're starting to understand about how thought works. Penn State and the U.S. Air Force um, researchers have harnessed this particular 
business of looking in the direction of the tap to try to put together engineering the way that we think and getting materials to do that kind of thinking based on the way we all think. This is so interesting, and it's in nature. So in terms of a journal, that's one that gets just about as much coverage as anything. They've created the very first example of an engineering material that can simultaneously sense, think, and act upon that mechanical stress without having to get some other kind of signal. That's crazy. The idea that we can do that, that's just brilliant. Um, Oh, good, I'm getting offers to take plants off my hands. That that, that might be happening. Let's see. Um, Doop, 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 doop. Oops. Okay. I'm going to tell you to look at that. Y'all can answer this guy that told us about his reception. And I'm not exactly sure what they want me to cut back, but... It looks like it might be a rose bush. And if it's a rose bush, I don't want you to cut it back until February. If it's a one bloom, once bloomer, don't cut it even then. Cut it after it flowers next summer. But if it's a rose, cut it back after it blooms. But if it's not a rose, write me back and tell me what it is. Okay? Okay. Thank you. I think y'all, are y'all the folks that gave me the harvest barn? Are y'all the folks that gave me the lentil recipe? I hope so. <laughs> Give that to me again. <laughs> I'll tell everybody again. It's so good. Oh, my goodness. We are getting into that time, aren't we? I was actually thinking about making soup the other day. It's like it's 105 degrees. Why are you thinking like that? Well, because the ingredients were all right there, and it looked like a good idea. It's sort of an example, I think, of this particular bit of research that's being done. If your brain cells are born on the same day, you know, we produce cells all the time. One of the great joys and and really magic characteristics of humans are that that we produce cells all the time. And in our brain cells, that's the same, too. Brain cells with the same birth date, and they put that in quotation marks, but the the ones that are formed on the same days are more likely to wire themselves together into cooperative signaling circuits to carry out functions, including storage of memories and that sort of stuff. This is so great. How in the world do they even know this? But publishing in Nature Neuroscience, they're letting us know that the that they've taken advantage of the, their understanding now that the way that we have evolved our ability to think, our ability to wire them together and fire off together for life really does come down to what they call the gestational day, the orderly birth of the neurons that form the circuits in our hippocampus. So amazing. You know, that's where your memories are. And I hope you remember that. The rules of circuit assembly would suggest that the ones that are born together are more likely to encode together. Well, and then sometimes to fail together. And that, of course, is the purpose of the research, is to understand why these things don't work the way they should. Sometimes we understand we have brain disorders, we have memory lapses, and sometimes we have things that just take us down the the road to losing our memories entirely. And all of those things, if we can understand how the brain cells work together to wire and fire, we might be able to understand better how to put them back, right? Yep, something about that. Oh, let's go to Memphis, y'all. Come on. It's time to plant onions. This is Weekend Gardening.
Have you ever seen a field of corn or soybeans or cotton growing along the highway? Think about that for a moment. From tiny seeds comes this field of crops. You and I need to live our lives every day. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation celebrates 100 years in 2022. We began much the same way as a seed of an idea that took root in 1922. In the 100 years since, the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation has contributed so much to our lives across every county of this state. From insurance to hospitals, from private property rights to road and bridge repair, Mississippi Farm Bureau has fought to make a better way of life for Mississippians, member or not. So, while agriculture is important, we are not just a farm organization. 100 years of strengthening our families, our communities, and our state. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. 100 years of faith, family, and Farm Bureau. that ignite us, the pistons that push us, the passions that drive us. From the feelings that move us to the places that pull us on the roads that unite us. With nearly 6,000 stores and over 17,000 auto care centers, Napa has America's largest network of parts and care, here to keep you fired on all cylinders. Garden Mama here for Lakeland Yard and Garden Center. Brighten the coming fall days and spice up your porch with the magnificent colors of cushion mums in bud and bloom. Lakeland has them. While you're there, be sure to check out the large selection of tropical plants and citrus trees for your sunroom, too. And don't forget to pick up winterizer for your lawn. Fall feeding promotes deep root growth and helps your lawn weather the winter. Listen to your mama now. We're growing your way at Lakeland Yard and Garden Center. Lakeland Drive and Airport Road. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around two to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code WIN for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code WIN for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code WIN. Do you suffer from allergies, sinus or respiratory problems, or just want to improve the quality of air you breathe in your home or business? Pure Air Consultants can help. As your indoor environmental specialist, we clean air ducts, install UV lights, and service all makes and models of heating and cooling systems. We offer the most dependable Energy Star qualified systems in the industry. Call Pure Air Consultants today, 601-939-7420. A proud provider of Dream Home AC Systems. (laughs) Are you feeling it? The new degree of comfort. At Fillmore Buick GMC, we strive to make buying your next vehicle easy and take care of you long after you drive off the lot. That means upfront and honest pricing, doing everything we can to make the time you spend in the dealership as short or as long as you need. It means we understand that purchasing a vehicle is more than just a transaction for you. We want you to enjoy the experience as much as we appreciate your business. Find your next Buick GMC or pre-owned vehicle at FillmoreBuickGMC.com. 
Fillmore Buick GMC. You drive everything we do. I got up the other morning, opened up the email, and there's a picture staring at me of one of the bigger azalea caterpillars I've ever seen. If you've ever seen them, you know them. They've got lots of big red heads, black and white caterpillars with all these fancy other things. They're fancy, fancy. You literally look like they're in tuxedos going out for dinner, except that dinner is your azalea, and they're chewing it. Now, Now, if your plant has those, and it also has the little tiny stipples in the other leaves that are still existing... The problem is you've got lace bugs, and then you've also got caterpillars. So they're two different critters, two different modes of op- of operating. One pierces and sucks into the leaf. The other one just chews the leaf off. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the the thing is, when do you use a systemic insecticide? Y'all know I don't I don't I don't like them. They're going to literally be drawn up by the plant. And they may do fine for the bugs that you were going to try to control, but they're also going to be dangerous for everything else that lands on that particular plant. But if those azaleas are across the front of your house, okay, I'm not going to tell you to start spraying every eight days from now until eternity. I'm going to tell you that's the place for the systemic insecticide. On the other hand, if they're across the back of your house and you don't like them that much anyway, I'm not. I will tell you that you probably need to reduce their existence to some extent in order to control the amount of food so that you don't propagate enough to, for those creatures to eat up all of your neighbors' azaleas, too. There is that part of it. But if they're stippled, we're looking at azalea lace bugs. If they have literally been chewed up, and then you, you would probably see the caterpillar standing there because they like to laugh at you. They'll be there eating just in the same way that the hornworm would eat your tomatoes. But it's, a, it's just something to consider and something I hope that you can do something about before it gets to the point of needing to use a systemic. But if they're already gone and dangerously da- dangerously damaged, that may be what you have to do. I have, uh, there, there's, there's, there are so many crazy things going on in my yard right now. My, my cats have decided, they've all picked different places to sleep. We had a, a, a my cats go in and out fairly freely. But we also have not as much fence as I would like, and so occasionally there are mean dogs that, and sometimes mean cats, but my cats take them on pretty well, but sometimes they're mean dogs that come through the yard. And I have to tell you that watching them find other places that are higher up so they can always watch the corner from which those dogs tend to come, and yes, there is a fence there. They just knock it down and jump over it and all that stuff because they're big dogs, and they're running loose and they're not supervised. And sadly... Even though you tell the neighbors on the back street that this is a problem, if they don't do something about it, someone else, not me, is, is the dogs are just not going to go home one day. And I hate that. But it's true. And watching my cats decide where they're going to 
perch themselves and where they're going to position themselves is kind of interesting. It goes directly to human dynamics in many ways and, and how we get to those things. How do we, how do we understand the, how those things work? Well, nowadays we're at least got some research on almost all of this. Um, they do seem to be helping the older cat get to his spot. They clear off the top spot for him so that by the time he gets there, he doesn't have to move again and things like that. The University of Birmingham is letting us know, also along with the University of Oxford Publishing and Current Biology, we actually know in humans, and someday we'll know in cats, that there is, in fact, a part of the region where effortful helping behaviors reside. That is to say, the things that don't involve one cat knocking the other off of something or one person putting another person down. They involve intense effort to help one another. This particular, um, this, this is actually the different part of the brain. When you when you make the choices to help yourself, you're working in one part of your brain, but the area that they've identified now, which is ACCG, which is the anterior cingulate cortex gyrus, is actually in the front of the brain, despite how that sounds. It plays a role in social behavior, but until now, they've not been able to actually put into words or put into research data um, how this actually happens and how the mechanisms work. So now they're able to see this. They they see the specific brain region that activates when people need to put in effort as opposed to for themselves, for someone else. And it, it's an interesting thing. It's it, We've taken a step closer to understanding why some individuals do this more likely than others. There are people, for example, when I read this this week, I thought about there are people who say, well, how in the world could anybody for 70 years do one job and never, ever express her personal opinion about things in public and never, in fact, have anything other than to help people? Well, luckily for the world, Elizabeth II had that quality. We shall see how much of it her her progeny has. We don't know. We We, we will find out. Presumably you can be taught that your job is to help, but on the other hand, you got to have this really active part of your brain in order for it to work, in order for it to actually go forward and do things for you and for other people that in turn, I presume, give you the good feelings that make you want to do more of it. Because let's face it, human beings entirely work on what makes us feel good. If, it, if, the, if the plant dies in front of us, we're probably going to plant something different. On the other hand, if we plant the same plant three times and it finally lives, we're going to feel great. So the level of challenge is not necessarily commensurate with how things come out, is what I'm trying to say. I will tell you, though, that random acts of kindness have <laughs> there were bumper stickers i have one still in my office practice random acts of gardening <laughs> those things are all over the place that came from gardener supply up up in vermont who, who are absolutely they're they're still up there doing that y'all y'all go to gardeners.com i'm sure all the time for stuff but random acts of kindness are actually a bigger deal than we thought from the university of texas at austin even though they enhance happiness of yours and maybe somebody else giving somebody a ride, bringing food to a sick person, or what is that? They actually make you feel as good as they make the recipient feel. If it makes you feel better than the recipient, you're doing the wrong thing. Okay, you're not actually 
producing a random act of kindness, you're getting in their way of something else. But this new study is letting us know that the researchers did a bunch of different experiments for it, and what they found out was that they, what they did was um, you, you have a choice. You can go to Chicago's Maggie's Daly's Park, and you can see all these people. People could choose whether to give a stranger a cup of hot chocolate or keep it from themselves, for themselves. 75 out of 100 chose to give it away. Okay, 75, I'm sorry, 75 out of 85, even better. So they, they told them the study participant had chosen to give them their drink. Researchers reported their mood and then found out how the other, the other people came along and asked the recipients how they felt. Performers really underestimated the significance of their act. They expected there'd be like a eh, 3 out of 10, okay? But in fact, it was a lot more than that. People aren't way off base. They get that being kind to people helps them feel good. What we don't get is that it actually, if it's the right help, makes the other person feel good, too. That's why I tell you my job is to listen, because if I can't answer the question that you ask, neither one of us are going to feel better about it, whether it's a random act or one that has a lot more going for it. Which brings me to the close for today. I think we need more of both of these things. One is a self-charging ultra-thin device that generates electricity from air moisture. I could run my house on that. But the other is that from Ohio State University, the notion of a humble leader, the notion of the person who stands up, sits up, stands at the front, and encourages everybody else to come along, that's who I want to be. I'm trying every day. I thank you for your help. Come on, let's all be gardeners. Come back again next week for another episode of Weekend Gardening. Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of TeleSouth Communications. Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. You know that nowadays more people are cutting the cord, ditching traditional cable and satellite television, and instead just streaming everything. With Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital's over-the-top advertising, you can get your business seen on streaming TV. Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital's highly trained and trusted team can show you how your ad dollars can go further to reach a more targeted audience. Call 601-991-2305 or go to stmmdigital.com to get started today. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. I'm sorry, I can't operate on that vehicle. The doctor, you took an oath. That RV, it's my son's RV. Oh, doctor, isn't there anything you can do? I'm not a miracle worker, Sheila. I'm an RV surgeon, trained to save the lives of large injured recreational vehicles, which is definitely a real profession. When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. 
Magnolia Health is made for Mississippi. A statewide network of specialists and primary care physicians at more than 17,000 locations, community outreach programs, and quality jobs for nearly 400 Mississippians. Our commitment to building healthier communities in Mississippi has never been stronger. Learn more at magnoliahealthplan.com slash benefits. A Super Talk Mississippi media production. 